Welcome back, beautiful souls, to our 18th episode of Spirituality with Kayun. In the last few talks, I've been sharing that the universal purpose of life is to realize ourselves, and love is one way of arriving at that goal. Some of you have expressed your thoughts and questions on how, how to cultivate this divine love. So I will talk about this beautiful path of love in this episode. Just like how there are many different trails we can take to reach the peak of the mountain, there are various paths we can embark to reach our final destination, which is enlightenment or self-realization. And as I've mentioned in episode 15, even if that's not our goal, walking on this path will lead us to a more peaceful and fulfilling life. There are many paths, but most yoga schools teach four main ones. They are one, the path of selfless service, known as karma yoga. Two, the stilling of the mind. This path is called raja yoga. Three, the understanding of who we are through knowledge, which is the jnana yoga path. And four, the one we will dive deeper into today is the path of love and devotion, also known as bhakti yoga. When we hear the word yoga these days, we may think of a sexy bendy girl in a bikini doing a splits on an endless beach in Hawaii. Or a bunch of girlfriends heading to the studios in their Lululemons and with their oat milk turmeric lattes. Or maybe we picture a yogi mastering the arch of Hanstan on the Brooklyn Bridge. Or perhaps we see a yogini using sage or palo santo or incense sticks to clear the energy before meditating with her om shawl. Traditionally, however, yoga is about finding union or oneness with the divine. We may call this universal consciousness, the absolute, the truth, or the source of creation. And on this bhakti path, we're guided back to that through love. The Sanskrit word bhakti comes from the root word bhaj, which means to belong to or to adore. Sometimes we call this path the yoga of love, the yoga of devotion, or yoga for the heart. This path is about surrendering ourselves to act out of love, devotion, and respect. Most traditions and religions focus on this path because love is natural for all. We all love and want to be loved, and it is the most powerful of all emotions. We love people, things, and places with great intensity. Love easily helps us concentrate. We always remember our object of love. Many years ago, I attended a two-week meditation course in Thailand, and our teacher, who was a monk, taught us how to study the mind with the breath. He says sweetly that we need to fall in love with our breath. Just like how when we are in love with someone, we can't get them off our mind. The philosophy of yoga, known as Vedanta, teaches us not to squander the power of love and make use of this powerful energy. Emotions are actually energy in motion. When our emotions cannot be expressed, the energy gets suppressed. These blockages or stuck energy in our system not only makes us feel uncomfortable, but leads to stress and even some form of disease, 
such as physical pain, mental health issues, or emotional disorder. Because the energy has to go somewhere. In today's society, we absorb so much negative energy and experience unpleasant emotions in our busy and stressful daily lives. So this technique helps us to transmute our lower emotions such as fear, stress, anxiety, anger, jealousy, hatred, depression into higher emotions like peace, joy, love, compassion, patience, tolerance, forgiveness, gratitude. Usually people who are more emotional in nature resonate with this path. For me, I'm quite an emotional and highly sensitive person. When I was younger, I would cry about anything and everything. If there were conflicts or arguments, I'd be easily overwhelmed by my emotions. When I see others going through pain, I would feel emotionally drained by all the sufferings happening in this world. Whenever I watch a sad or even a happy movie, I would feel what the characters were going through and tear during all the emotional scenes. One way I cope with this is by singing. In Sanskrit, kirtan means to sing or to praise. It is an ancient call and response form of chanting that is becoming increasingly popular all around the globe today. As an integral part of bhakti yoga, we chant mantras to clear the mind and release our emotions. Mantra literally means to transcend or to free the mind. It is believed that we can sing our way to enlightenment. Chanting, of course, may seem very foreign and bizarre at first. When I started getting into this practice more, I took a date to attend a kirtan. And that was our very last date ever. If you're not familiar with this practice, basically we repeat the same mantra over and over and over again. I remember I was just waiting and waiting and waiting for the next line of the song to show up on the screen. However, it remained the same throughout the same mantra which was disappointing for the impatient and ignorant younger me who didn't understand the importance of repetition. Usually halfway into kirtan, the participants would get more and more excited. Some would sway their bodies left and right, while others would raise their arms up towards the sky as if they're reaching out for some nectar. My date probably got uncomfortable and even freaked out after seeing something like this for the first time. Towards the end of a kirtan, some euthoric practitioners would even get up and dance in ecstasy. Honestly, I don't even remember myself ever being so intoxicated when I used to party until 4 a.m. with actual alcohol. These yogis would feel extremely joyful and be in total bliss when they chant. They would be so connected with their inner divinity and something beyond. They would be in a state of rapture. Later, I learned that this feeling is something called spiritual high, which is a magical and transcendental experience where we move from material existence to the dimension of the consciousness. Krishna das 
who is the rock star of yoga and a Grammys nominated Kirtan artist, says that with regular and sincere practice, over time, you may notice thoughts don't grab you so deeply, emotions don't wipe you out so completely. It changes your psyche. I myself absolutely love chanting. Sometimes I would feel ecstatic. Sometimes I would be sobbing and weeping tears. Sometimes I would experience an awakening of the heart. Sometimes I would feel so connected to my innermost self. And sometimes I would just chant to release stress or recover from a bad day. Chanting is such a purifying experience for me. I believe kirtan truly nourishes our soul. It is food for our soul. Our hearts become full of divine love. I remember when I visited my parents during COVID for a month, I would teach yoga and meditation classes on Zoom. More often than not, I chant with my students. My mom would always peek into my room to see what's going on. Not only did I leave my corporate job to teach yoga, but now I'm chanting day and night in front of my phone. Surely she thought I've gone nuts and lost all hope. I can almost hear her saying inside, thank God my other daughter is sane. Some other ways of cultivating spiritual love that may appear more common or easy to accept is by listening to scriptures and divine stories thinking about or contemplating on the source of creation. Always remembering and never forgetting that there's something beyond ourselves. Seeing the divinity in all, serving the world and humanity selflessly with love. Whenever I pray, I feel like I'm talking to the universe. And wherever I meditate, I feel like I'm listening to the universe. It's an incredibly beautiful and loving connection with the divine. Ultimately, complete surrendering is the highest process on this path of love. Though bhakti is known as the easiest path, it may not be for everyone as we can see. To love something that we cannot grasp, such as higher energy, universal consciousness, God, or seeing the divine in all is quite challenging for most people. Some of my students would often express that they cannot see the divine in this person or that person. That it's especially difficult to see the divinity in people we dislike or in those who harm others. There is certainly understanding and faith needed. Others may act in certain ways because of suffering that they're going through. Loving all doesn't mean we agree with their actions, but rather we see that we are all, in essence, the same. Our souls are all part of the same source. Our nature is pure, but we have impurities. The real enemy or reason why we can't see the divine in everyone could just be our egos, our expectations, or our desires for results. The effort is to love unconditionally and feel the divine presence everywhere, within and without. Where there is spiritual love, all relationships, including material love, will flourish. 
We feel a sense of peace that helps us grow through difficulties and obstacles in life. We start to believe that there's no good or bad. Rather, we just accept what is given to us. We learn to love for love's sake. We have faith that everything will work out for the best and we will be guided back home. And lastly, for those who may be more motivated by action rather than love, or if you're more intellectual as opposed to emotional in nature, there are three other paths that we can journey through. So stay tuned for the next few episodes. Thank you all for listening. If you have any sharing, questions, or comments, I would love to hear your thoughts. Find me on Instagram, kyun underscore. I do have a retreat coming up in Hong Kong during Easter break, and there will be kirtan every night along with other yogic practices. If you're in town, come join us and let's get high together. Spiritually, of course. Have a great morning or evening wherever you are. The lights within me bows to the divine lights within you. Namaste, everyone.